we are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod. A.K.A. The Ace of Spades, Thanos. A.K.A. The nigga with four of them things. A.K.A. Mister, you fuck with me, you fucking with the best. Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober. And I'm not alone. I am joined by Dynasty Buck. In the flesh, Andy Buckler, a.k.a. Built Different Buck. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Buckler. Andy, what's good? What's good, Cam? I would hit it with a yes, sir, but, you know, Chris be hating on me, so I might hit one at the end. (laughs) What my guy from Malibu's most wanted to say that one time? He said, don't be hating. (laughs) Hey, Chris, get off that, man. But yeah, Andy, let's get right into the show, man. It is... The halfway point of the fantasy football season. God damn. Seems like just yesterday I was smoking people in the startup drafts, bro. And now I'm um, getting my teams ready for the playoff picture. You know, how has the season treated you so far? We're we're seven weeks um, in the books. Looking forward to the next seven before the playoff push. How are your teams looking? They're pretty good. I guess I can't complain. I mean, I did. I am on some Panther shit in a couple of my leagues. Where I started off 3-0. and Now I'm 3-4. and <laughs> But. For the most part, you know, I'm I'm not out of any league. I'm in the playoff picture all of them, so I gotta feel good. You can like it's not every league that you're still in, so I feel good to still be in all my leagues at least. Yeah, it's 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 gone pretty well for me too. I think I am out of two leagues already, I think. Just the teams aren't very good. I'm in uh super flex, fifty dollar super flex league with Rio. And my team's one and five, and I couldn't even beat a motherfucker who didn't score. He didn't. He didn't start a quarterback <laughs> against me, bro. He didn't start Dak because the bye, and I couldn't even beat this motherfucker because Jabusta Fields went out there and got me one ass point. So like, it's safe to say that team is incredibly chalked. Uh, but other than that, I think I think in the Thunderdome League, the hundred dollar uh, redraft league that I'm in, I think I'm out there. Even though I'm third in points, still sitting at two and five. It's just. I've just gotten incredibly unlucky in that league, but my other leagues are really, really strong. I, I'm I'm really happy with them. We also, hey, you didn't mention the uh, uh, Would You Rather League that we're in. Do you want to tell the people about that league? We haven't spoken about that league so far on any podcast. Do you want to share with Ace of Spades how that league is going for us and a little bit of background on that league? Not going to be able to do it. <laughs> well, I'll step in and I'm going to get the people what they want and I'm going to talk about this league. So basically... What happened was, long story short, me and Buck co-owned seven teams together, and we really only manage six now because this one's chalked. We can't really show our faces in this league because, um, you know, I treat Buck like my little bro, and somebody talked slightly flippant to him one day in chat. So I hopped in chat on my big bro shit, and I called him a dickhead. And then I proceeded to talk greasy to everybody else in the league, calling them dog shit. Saying that we had the best team, all their teams were trash. Short story long, we've won one ass game in that league so far. 
<laughs> and uh, I didn't even know we won that because after like week four, I had to archive that whole. I couldn't take the humiliation anymore. Not not that anybody was saying anything to us. I just I got so tired of looking at that team. I just archived it. So that's a hundred bucks down the drain. Safe to say we aren't going to be leaving with any cash in that league. But uh, yeah, yeah, had to share. You know, not everything is sunshine and roses. This, this is not a this is not a hundred percent hit rate. You know, uh, uh, duo hit like we we missed two players fuck up too. But yeah, anyway. And if you're wondering if, oh, maybe you guys are having bad luck with the points. No, we lost some points. <laughs> no, we the worst team. <laughs> hey, I, I can't get into too much detail because the World <laughs> Series is going to gonna come <laughs> on in a bit. But it's just so funny, you know, how that team was built, like, from the infancy stages to now and just how the progression of this league has gone because we thought we were so nasty after that draft. <laughs> and the team, we got fucking Calvin Ridley. Bum-ass fucking Saquon, Arthur Juan, Buster doesn't want to do anything until week six. It's just a fucking mess. You know, on paper, our team was incredible, but yeah, it's the worst team in the league. Oh, we're, we're also struggling in Berg's League, too, but I think we still have a chance. We, we've had, like, actually, like, really bad injury luck in that league, but I don't know, I'm in 30 leagues, bro, so it's hard to keep up with all of them, but for the most part, I'm doing pretty well. Anyway, it is a dynasty podcast about a dynasty league, so although we may have some teams that are on the cusp of going fishing and eliminated you know, this season in redraft, we're here to talk about the dynasty element of fantasy football, which makes me so excited because even though we're halfway through the regular season, Buck, that just means it's time to focus on draft season as soon as the, you know, fantasy playoffs are off this year. So any excitement building up quite yet for your dynasty leagues as it pertains to looking forward to the rookie drafts? No, I've actually started to get really excited, you know, for uh, this class is a lot better than people made it out to be have a lot of picks in my other leagues this year. <laughs> Last year, I didn't have any. So I'm excited to watch some tape, get ready, especially uh, especially now, like in a couple of weeks, once, you're, <laughs> once you are out of some redraft leagues, this is when Dynasty season really starts, really starts to heat up. And this is like the best part of Dynasty. This is like why we play, right? Like the rookies and really like the off season is the best. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Because fantasy never stops. Once, uh, once redraft's over, we, we go right into uh, all the main Dynasty stuff. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, me too. I'm excited as well. Um, Before we get into a rookie from last year that I want to talk about on this podcast today, let's go back and do this icebreaker that I skipped over. So you've been in Ace of Spades for about six months. You're halfway through your first season in Ace of Spades. No need to give feedback on the league. We know it's the best out there. You've already, you know, given your praise to Ace of Spades on a previous podcast. You know, I'm the GOAT commission. You know, people have called me that in the past. I can't recall you know who, but but I've been called that, you know, sparingly throughout my tenure as the commissioner of Ace of Spades. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about. <laughs> All right, bear with me here, Buck. Let's talk about this icebreaker. I, I want you to name. You've been here for half a year. If you had to pick any Ace of Spades GM to fight, who would you pick and why? Like, I have to fight somebody? Yeah, you got to fight somebody. In hand, oh, in hand, hand. <laughs> Damn, G, you said Burke? Yeah. You ain't even have to think about it? No. <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, Burke. Burke is going to listen to this shit and he's going to say, Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> MG, why Burke? What Burke do to you? I just think I could take him, bro. I, 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 I think we would match up pretty well. I don't, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to fight uh, my, my bro Rio, my bro Kurt, my bro Cam. So I'm just going to, and I, some of the other dudes, I don't know what they look like. I know, like, I, I don't, I'm not that big, so I need to fight Bert. <laughs> it's going to be a fair fight. He, oh, he, might be, he might be able to get me, but shit, that's my one-on-one if I had to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weak. All right, all right, all right. So just for the sake, I really want to drill into this and understand, you know, the, the deeper meaning behind this, but, but the, you know, the why behind this. But you know, for the sake of time, we'll move on. I'll tell you mine. You know, I'm a, I want to fight Justin. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I've been, you know, I've been on this this podcast for two years now. That we've been in the league together for ten years, but you know, I just want to knock the hell out of Justin, bro. You know, this motherfucker, he's he's always beating me, bro. Like since we started this league, he's always winning against me. He took away the three peat opportunity that I had a few years back, and you know I don't know, I don't like him. So yeah, I would, I'd like to fight Justin if I had to pick anybody in Ace of Spades to 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 you know go against a hand to hand combat. Combat that would be my pick. Anyway, let's get on to the actual fantasy football segments of the podcast and talk about some NFL news and notes. First and foremost, Deshaun Watson. Do you think we'll see Deshaun Watson traded before the NFL trade deadline? And if so, who is your favorite to land Deshaun Watson? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I really don't want to give a definitive answer because I really don't know. So I, I think uh, I think he gets traded. If he gets traded, I think it would be the Dolphins because that's the only team he's actually approved to trade to. He has no trade clause. So he gets he basically has to pick where he wants to go. And that's the only team he said he would go to, and they have all the assets in the world to give up. So I picked the Dolphins. Yeah, I think I saw an article earlier, you know, saying that he had waived it for a couple more teams. I don't know if that was bullshit or not. I didn't actually click the link. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what to think about this situation. I'm kind of like you don't really want to give an answer one way or another. But, I mean, I guess, you know, I would I would imagine he gets traded just based on the – you know, the sources that are starting to get behind some of these rumors. But, you know, if he does get traded, I don't think it matters which team he gets traded to. All of those offensive weapons, you know, get a significant bump. What do you think about him as a fantasy asset, you know, in Dynasty, if this trade and the NFL goes through and he's able to play for the remainder of the season without any legal implications that would hinder him from from uh, being able to play the rest of the season? I still, I kind of think if he gets traded, he doesn't play this year because I still think a suspension will happen unless they hold that for next year. I haven't like read the stuff, but I, I still, there's going to be some type of suspension. But I mean, yeah, like you said, everything's going to be an upgrade for whoever. If it's the Dolphins, uh, obviously Waddle gets a big bump. Will Fuller, if he still plays football, he gets a bump. So yeah, I'd be excited. I'd obviously really be excited for Denver. If but they haven't really been talking about that, would be my definitely spot. Denver. Denver or the Carolina Panthers because I'd love to see the resurgence of, you know, Robbie Anderson and then the absolute path that DJ Moore could be on with, you know, Deshaun Watson at the helm. But I will say, you know, some really credible sources have come out and said that, you know, he isn't going to serve a suspension this year. If he gets traded, the league's not going to step in. He hasn't been suspended yet. And a trade isn't going to initiate some sort of suspension. At least that's what I've heard from Ian Rappaport and the guys over at NFL Network. Um, so I don't know. Um, they they say that those types of suspensions or commissioner exemplist uh, punishments are reserved for uh, you know being convicted, uh, not convicted, but accused or charged with with a felony or I forget what the other um, criteria was. But I, I'm not sure he actually gets suspended. I think there's a possibility that he's traded and can actually play this year. So I don't know. I I, I guess you know if we were doing 
startups today in Dynasty, I don't think his his ADP would change. Um, you know, even even after a trade, you know what I mean? Because the legal implications are still in place. And even if he doesn't get suspended this year, there's no, you know, guarantee he won't get suspended next year. So it's still a murky situation, but you can't deny the talent. You over there eating a Twix or something, bro? No, why? Uh, I just heard you ruffling paper and you didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, my bad. No, no you're good. good. All right, we can move on. All right, let's talk about Cooper Cup. Where are we at with Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup, man. He's a uh, – I mean, he's he's having a historic season. He's having a season better than Devontae Adams last year. Another game uh, on Sunday, with, it was like 10 for 156 and 2. I mean, this dude's just going to have – like he's just he's just gonna have a historic season. There's really nothing else to say. I think he's locked in as the wide receiver one on the year, which is crazy. And if you got him for a value in the off season, then good on you. That's a it was, it was a great value because he was he was like an eighth round startup pick and going for nothing. So yeah, I mean Cup. I mean he's I wouldn't say he's a beast because they're really screening him open, but he's putting up insane fantasy numbers. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, you just can't deny the production. I agree with the, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think he's locked in for, you know, an overall wide receiver one finish on the season, barring any type of injury. But, you know, they're they're making a concerted effort to get the ball in his hands, which, you know, you combine the high-level quarterback play of Matthew Stafford with the Sean McVay scheme. I mean, I'm not sure we see any defenses that are able to take this away consistently over the remainder of the season, so. You know, I think he's I think he's pretty locked into, you know, finishing on par with at least to, you know, what Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas have done over the past couple of years. So, yeah, just an incredible pace, man. Um, and Dynasty, though, since this is a Dynasty podcast, you know, how are you valuing Cooper Cup? What are you giving up in trades to acquire Cooper Cup? Or if you're selling Cooper Cup, what are you expecting in return? I think uh, I think he has to value him as a top 15 wide receiver. And if you're selling, like, I'd want a first plus a wide receiver, like, plus, like, a younger, a younger, like, a first plus, like, a 20 to 24 wide receiver or something like that. Like, that I would have to, I'd have to get, like, basically value of two firsts, like a first and a mm-hmm. wide receiver that's worth a first, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So if you have Cooper Cup and somebody, if, if you have Cooper Cup and you're in a rebuild and somebody sends you T. Higgins in a first-round pick, are you accepting that trade? That's crazy because it's actually the example I was going to use. Yeah, I would take Diggins on the first for Cup for sure. Cool. All right, moving on. Jamar Chase. Man. You know, Buck, you were one of the guys who had Higgins over Chase for redraft, you know, this year. Um, I know Cooper Cup. No, not Cooper Cup. I know uh, T. Higgins has suffered a bit of bad luck in the touchdown variance department and just overall efficiency on the amount of sheer volume of targets that he's gotten, you know, over the past several weeks that he's played. But where are you at with Jamar Chase in his historic season as a rookie wide receiver in contrast to your original offseason take of T. Higgins versus Chase? Do you think T. Higgins can close the gap or is it safe to say that Chase is going to run away with this thing? I think Chase is going to run away with it, but I still think T. Higgins is going to be really good, and I think he's a great buy low because he got 15 targets last week. I think in three of the games that Higgins was healthy, he actually out-targeted Chase, so he's getting the targets. Like uh, We value targets. like uh, they earn. He earns targets. 15 targets, you don't just walk into those. So he's still getting open and doing well, but he's just in a role right now where he's getting like super like short targets and just like bad volume, but 
it is volume nonetheless. So I still like Higgins, but yeah, I mean, you can't deny Chase. He's the wide receiver one there for us the season and like a top two, top three dynasty wide receiver. But Higgins still, to me, like he's still a top 18 wide receiver in dynasty and I'd want to buy him. Yeah, I think Higgins is easily a top 20, top 18, maybe even top 15 wide receiver in dynasty. I mean, I've been really, really, really impressed by the play of Joe Burrow as well. I mean, this Cincinnati Bengals offense is going to score a ton of points over the next few seasons. And, you know, maybe we wrote off, you know, coach Zach Taylor a bit too early because even a few years ago, he was kind of ahead of his time, right? When you look at his play call and tendencies, you know, Joe Burrow was passing the ball like 44 fucking times a game, you know, as a rookie. You know, they couldn't run the ball, so you can't run the ball. Like, who gives a fuck? Just pass the ball, you know? Um, If you look back to Zach Taylor's history as a head coach, he hasn't been as much of a dud as most people have painted painted him out to be through the first few, few years of his tender as a Cincinnati Bengals head coach. I think they start to ramp up the passing attack in Cincinnati from now moving forward with the comfortability of Joe Burrow seemingly being there and the just, you know, overall efficiency that this passing game has had, you know, over the past few weeks. What do you think about, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals passing offense maybe getting closer to what we projected them to be uh, at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think the volume will ramp up uh, because, like like you said, uh, trust in Burrow more. Like, he looks like the knee injury is completely behind him now. So maybe that's what they were, like, scared about, like, in the beginning because they were, like, really running Mixon. And I know Mixon's a little banged up. But uh, I think I think it will ramp up, and I think he'll be uh, – I think the offense is going to be really good. And that team's a lot better now, too. Like, obviously, the guys on the offense just got better, and that defense is a lot better. Like, it's not – they're not the same Bengals where you can just walk walk around them now like they were last year. They're a good team, and I think they'll keep ramping up because they want to make the playoffs, and I think they have a chance to. I, th- I mean, they're, number one, they're the number one seed in the AFC right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, you threw, you know, it's not quite halfway through the NFL season, but, you know, pretty close. I, I think I think they're they're about as close of a lock to a surprise team making the playoffs as, as, you, as you can be right now. Um, the defense is playing really well. And as long as Joe Burrow and this offense stays healthy, I mean, they're going to be able to put up points with the best of them. So I like them as a, as a playoff team. And I think, you know, I'm really interested to see how they close out the season. Um Real quick, before we wrap up, you know, Jamar Chase, what do you think about the overall take now, you know, leading up to the 2020 NFL draft, the 2021 NFL draft? I'm sorry, there was a lot of criticism for the Bengals taking a wide receiver over, you know, what many thought was a generational prospect tackle. What do you think about that debate now? Hey, do you think the Bengals still made a mistake drafting wide receiver over a left tackle for Joe Burrow? No, I don't. I think um, I always think you should just draft the best player. And I think Jamar Chase was the better player. Obviously, a position of need. They needed to, they needed to tackle because Burrow just got killed the year before. But you needed you need to draft the best player. That's what the Cowboys did. They needed defense. They drafted Ceedee Lamb. It worked out. You always got to go with the best player and the player you have higher. Don't worry about need. You got to take position because shit changes so fast. Like you look at the Jaguars a couple years ago drafted Leonard Fournette at four over to Sean Watson because they didn't need a quarterback. They had uh, uh, Bortles. You got you don't draft need. Right. Drafting need is it's the biggest, uh, most overrated thing in the sport to me. So I like to pick. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, people have stopped sending me trades for Jamar Chase over the past few weeks. I think, like, they know what it is. I got a lot of trade offers for Jamar Chase, you know, at the beginning of the season. You know, you, you can't buy low for me. Anybody who knows, you know I mean, played with me in Dynasty Leagues, you know, for the past few years, like, they understand that. But now it's just like, you know, but don't stop sending the trade offers. No, just, you know, increase the value. You know what that dude say? Like, after that win, he said, 
Tell him to bring me my money. Facts. Anyway, Jerry Judy set for a return. You know, how, how hopeful are you that Jerry Judy will be able to step back into the role that it seemed like he commanded, you know, in the offense week one before his injury in an offense that's proven to be pretty unpredictable, you know, through the past six weeks? Yeah, I think uh, I feel pretty good about it. I think he'll step in, step in the targets. Obviously, we talked about in a couple of pods ago that, like, he's a separator, so it might take him a while to get back from the ankle, but I'm ready to fire him up week one. He plays Washington. So I, even if he's had 60%, I think he could still have a Definitely. good game Washington. Very, very beatable secondary, man. And, you know, hopefully his, his ankle is good. I mean, apparently he could have played last year. They gave him uh, last year. Last week they gave him an extra week of rest off. So hopefully that helps. And hopefully, you know, he's, like you said, like maybe close to 70%, 80%. I'm ready to get him back in my lineups. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> This quote kind of came from this kind of a BS story, so we won't spend but a few seconds on it. But do you think there is potential for Gardner Minshew to take snaps away from Jalen Hurts at some point throughout the rest of the season? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. Unless they do like kind of what they did last year when uh, they uh, put in. I don't even remember the quarterback's name now. Sudfield at the at the end to like see what they had because they're really tanking. Unless it's uh, that type of situation, but I mean, Jalen Hurts—you don't need to tank. I mean, he's he's losing games anyway, so you don't need to see what you have. So I don't think so. You might as well just let just let Jalen Hurts finish out the season. Like I don't like we know Minshew's not good. Just let him finish it out. Exactly. And if you, maybe he'll have get some trade value. They could trade him and, somewhere. And this we we know yeah we know we know Minshew isn't good, and we know the Eagles aren't good. So you know, there's no need to bench the QB to try to make a you know uh, a last minute push for the playoffs. I mean, the team's team's dog shit. Um, Joe Flacco traded to the Jets. Um, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you, <laughs> we don't care. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, make a low ball trade for, you know, Corey Davis or some shit. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, this news is kind of meaningless to me. But I know Joe Flacco. I, I remember Joe Flacco with Cortland Sutton. You know, he's not afraid to, to force the ball into his big body, you know, wide receivers on the outside. So, I don't know how, how long Zach Wilson's going to be out, but um, you know, all those 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 skill positions players are are kind of dead, um, unless you're you're using Michael Carter as a flex or something like that. Corey Davis is like a you know, he, he targeted the hell out of Jamison Crowder last year when he got to start, so maybe, uh, maybe yeah, he, he gets did. a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe some of those, maybe some of those receivers do get a boost. Uh, I don't know. You know, Joe Flacco sucks, man. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, this, and I don't really want to play any Jets skill players, you know, if I don't have to. But I, mean, I guess it's worth mentioning if if you have to stick these guys in your lineup. Um, Mac Jones progressing in terms of his development. You know, real quick, if you had to re rank the top five rookie quarterbacks from last year's draft, has anything changed so far in your rankings? I think uh, I think I'll keep my rankings the same. Besides, maybe you still want to put Zach Wilson no, no, ahead I'm, of Mac I'm Jones? Trying, I'm trying to. Hey, let me get there. I'm gonna say besides the Zach Wilson thing, I had Zach Wilson right. over Mac Jones because of upside. So I'll swap them, but everything else I'll keep the same. But I would swap those two, yeah. But I, I had it. I just thought Mac Jones was boring and like didn't have much fancy outside. But at least he has job upside, and Zach Wilson Definitely. doesn't have that. So Definitely. yeah, I would. I would swap those two, but I keep everything else the same. Yeah, Mac Jones is going to have a job for a very long time, and I'm going to be interested to see what Mac Jones can look like from a fantasy perspective when they get weapons. Again, 
It's a dynasty podcast, so I just want you to humor me here when we talk about Mac Jones. You know, his number one wide receivers are, you know, gentlemen by the names of uh, Jacoby Myers, uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne. And he's performed admirably, and he's, he's just a rookie quarterback. Do we see a world where, with upgraded weaponry in New Orleans, a quarterback like Mac Jones could have QB1 upside on the season at any point in his career? Yeah, I think uh, I think the big comp, like it was a really popular comp pre-draft, is Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. and uh, Kirk Cousins does sling that bitch. Like he has had, like in Washington, he he had like three fantasy relevant wide receivers, but he has had uh, multiple QB one seasons. Even Matt Ryan, that's no running, that's just uh, straight in the pocket. So I think Mac Jones, if they get some weapons in there, he could have a back end like a quarterback eleven season, like a. Uh, Cause you know, but but Kirk Cousins was thrown for like four thousand yards. I don't know if we can see that from Mac because it does seem like the Patriots, even if they get weapons, that they kind of want to be like more conservative and more uh, more run mm-hmm. heavy and stuff. But we'll see. Like we'll, see. I think they'll add a legitimate wide receiver this off season. I think so too. Let's hope Bill Belichick isn't the one that picks him. Um, <laughs> Zach Wilson sprains his PCL. We already talked about the Joe Flacco news. Justin Fields has a disastrous day. This is a news item, but I, I do want to talk about Justin Fields really, really quickly because I talk about Justin Fields so much in this podcast. You know, I went back and I was able to watch the snip up, you know, all 22 in the condensed version of the game as well. You know, Justin Fields did not look like a bad NFL quarterback in that game, or at least not as bad as the stat sheet would indicate. You know, he had two fumbles due to blind pressure from the pocket collapsing, you know, in, in, in less than two seconds on two plays. Well, one was less than two seconds. One, I think, was a little bit longer. Um, one interception off Darnell Mooney's hands. The ball could have been a little lower, but it, it hit him in both of his hands. Like, that's a catchable ball. Um, one interception thrown in on the run to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson fell down. So even though the ball was off target, you know, had Allen Robinson not fallen down, he could have made a play on it or at least kept it out of the defender's hands. And the third interception was an interception thrown because the coaches got in his headset and said there were 12 men on the field. So he had, he snapped the ball. I thought he had a free play. So I, I don't want to sound like a, a Justin Fields truther or bears Homer, but this has to be one of the most unlucky starts to a quarterback's career in the NFL. Like, I'm not even capping. Like, dead ass. It's just, it's it's so unlucky. Um, the way he's turned the ball over, you know, his red zone luck in terms of, um, you know, his touchdown inefficiency. Like, there was a, a, a sack fumble turnover in the red zone in the 10 zone. I mean, it's just the stat sheet and the box score don't indicate, you know, how Justin Fields is playing. He's When he has a clean pocket, he's advancing the ball. They're moving the sticks. So, obviously, I'm not, I'm not, selling any shares or panicking on Justin Fields and Dynasty. Not sure he's going to be playable throughout the rest of the season just because that offense is so bad. The skill players are not good. The offensive line is off. The play calling in the scheme is really bad. So not sure you can do anything with Justin Fields, you know, in redraft. But as a Dynasty manager, Justin Fields, you, you just got to be patient. Any thoughts on Justin Fields? Did you have an opportunity to catch that game yet? No, I agree with all that, uh, all you said. Now, I haven't caught the game yet. I watched some of it live, but I haven't uh, stepped back and watched the whole thing. And I, I will uh, sometime this week to see. Yeah. But I do know about the play uh, with the 12 man on the field. And that's just like, that's so unco- incompetent. That's, that's like so bad, shit man. that, like, as a Giants fan, like, that's like the level of incompetence that we have. And I did. Yeah. And that's just, it's impressive. Yeah. That's, and the, the fact that that even got out there, like, someone needs to be fired today. Yeah. And then, and then Justin didn't know, like, which right tackle was starting on game day. Like, bro, like what, 
like what are like what's going on with the comms there? Like what like what what's going like Nagy and and you know that entire coaching staff probably needs a turnover. Man, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that you know blames everything on Nagy and, and the Bears, you know, organization for Justin Fields, you know, um, um, you know, lack of good play, you know, through his five starts. You know, Justin Fields has to be better. You know, he has to understand. You know, reads pre-snap. He has no idea where the blitz is coming from ever. He has to understand he doesn't have time in the pocket, and he has even less time in the pocket due to how poorly the offensive line is playing. He has to get rid of the ball quickly. And he just needs more reps. You know, he needs to, you know, unfortunately they didn't give him an opportunity to play with the starters, um, you know, in, in, in camp and preseason. But, you know, some of this is on Justin Fields as well. I'd say it's probably, you know, if people want to put 100% on Nagy, I'd say it's probably like 70-30. You know, Nagy, 30% Justin Fields. He's got to be better. Anyway. Moving on, Sam Darnold. <laughs> you want to speak on Sam Darnold, bro? This is a guy that you know. You 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 like Sam Darnold, you know. Um, coming into the season, you weren't like overvaluing him as a dynasty asset. I don't think. I think you were pretty fair in your evaluation. You're not a biased, you know, guy when it comes to you know player evals. But what's the future looking like for Sam Darnold? What's his dynasty value like? Given you know he's he's looked awful for two different teams now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very bleak. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I don't know, man. Maybe we don't have to spend a lot of time on Sammy D. I'm not going to grill you there because I already, you know, I already gave you shit about the T. Higgins thing, and now I'm talking shit about you know Sammy D. Let's talk about a guy who neither one of us are very eye on, but he's also part of the reason that I'm one in six in one of my redraft <laughs> leagues because I took a shot and drafted him in the sixth round. Trey Sermon. I mean, whose future is more bleak than this kid's, right? I mean, almost undrafted Elijah Mitchell is clearly the guy that, you know, Shanahan trusts as his RB1, at least until Jeff Wilson comes back healthy. We'll see how that goes. But Trey Sermon is pretty, like, he's, a lot of people didn't like him coming in. You were one of them. And now the coach and regime that drafted him has seemingly already given up on him. He's dust, right? Yeah, not even that he's behind Elijah Mitchell. He's RB3. He's behind the, Hasty the third too. Down, yeah. yeah, the third down snaps went to Hasty last week, and Hasty got six targets, and I don't even know if Trey Sermon – I think he played like three snaps, if he even played that many snaps. He played one snap the week before. Yeah, he's done, and he, he sucks. Like, honestly, yeah, he's, he's not – Yeah, he's he's not good, at least, you know, not for that scheme. You know, rest in peace, Trey Sermon. You know, gone and hopefully forgotten soon. Um, I'll say that next, you know, San Francisco 49ers guy, we're going to talk about, you know, Brent Ayuk continues to struggle. We can't blame everything on Kyle Shanahan. I mean, the guys on the field, he's not commanding any targets. Like I'm starting to get a little nervous about Brent Ayuk because I was in the camp of, you know, by Brandon Ayuk for any potential dip just because of how good he was as a rookie. But now I'm starting to get a little concerned because even when he is playing, you know, he isn't demanding looks it doesn't help that you're playing with Jimmy Garoppolo and you know this guy seemingly only sees half the field and you know the emergence of Debo Samuel doesn't help either because he's accounting for like half the team's you know yardage but has your stance changed on Brandon Ayuk week over week are you even lower on him than you were a couple weeks ago or like how are you feeling about him you know seeing as you you manage him in a couple weeks yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely pretty nervous about him. Even more nervous, but he did uh, on Sunday, uh, on Sunday night, he did actually have a play where he turned the DB around. He got open. It would have been an 80 yard touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't even look his way. <laughs> just check the checks the ball the down. To Samuel, yeah. Samuel dropped it. It would have been an 80 yard touchdown. He 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 killed the DB. So he did get open on that play. But I mean, he's not like he's drop. Obviously, like he's a drop and redraft. He's he had one point again. It's it's sad, but. Yeah, I mean, in Dynasty, I mean, just a hold. Like, you're not going to sell for... Are like, you... 
Are you sending are you sending a second round pick to get Ayuk? It depends. I guess it depends on like what team, what I have. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I would tell you for sure. But yeah, now it's same. like I, pro- I probably still would, but I don't feel as great about it as I did a couple weeks ago. Word, same, same. All right, let's try to get through the rest of this pod in the next ten minutes or so. Um, we spent a lot of time on the intro, the news and notes. Last note, you know, before we get into the ace of spades stuff, you know, Kyle Pitts goes absolutely nuclear for the second week in a row. Can we talk briefly about how? Calvin, you know, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts switched roles last game. You know, it seemed like Kyle Pitts was running a lot of Calvin Ridley's routes and Ridley was being used in, you know, the, the Juju Smith-Schuster role almost with, with all these shallow crossers and intermediate routes. Like, you know, some people, some pretty sharp people that I respect in the, you know, talent eval space talked about the potential of Kyle Pitts eventually being the alpha in this offense. Have we already seen that? Or do we just need to give Ridley more time to get his legs underneath him? You know, I know he missed last week, but Kyle Pitts looked absolutely phenomenal. Like, he doesn't look quite like anything I've ever seen on a football field before. You know, that I'm not being hyperbolic. I mean, he just he's this tall, long, lanky. He's not a tight end. He doesn't look like a receiver either, though. I mean, they, they call this kid a unicorn, you know, coming into the, to, to the draft process. And he's just, he, he's a freak. Right, I mean, he's extending like these his these long ass like the seven six wingspan out to catch these one handed balls down the sideline. I mean, he's he's just really fucking good. You know, what are the chances we see him as the one A to Calvin Ridley's one B in this offense as early as like yesterday? I think so. I, I think it's definitely going to happen. I think uh, Kyle Pitts just has like they just swapped him and Julio. He has Julio's yep. role now. Yep. So for Ridley, like man, it, it's pretty concerning. Like this is a year that he was supposed to be. Like people thought he could even have shot at the overall wide receiver one, but at yep. like he was getting drafted as a top four or five wide receiver uh, in redraft and in dynasty, he was ranked that way too. But it just hasn't happened for him yet. Another ten target week, so you can't go up there. The volume's too good. But if it's going to be those type of looks, like you said, like like it's not even that valuable. He was able to salvage his day with a touchdown, a little short touchdown. But I'm definitely worried about Ridley, and I think uh, Pitts is going to keep up what he's been doing. I think so too. Let's talk, you know, really quick about how you fleeced me in the other dynasty we were in, you know, I sent you, you know, skinny Jamarcus Russell, Justin Fields, um, you know, Calvin Midley, and looks like you're potentially going to make the playoffs in that league too, so I can get a late first round pick. In exchange, you got Kyler Murray and Chris Godwin, who, you know, coming into last season, uh, two seasons ago, I mean, you know, you would have said you'd, you'd be drunk to send, Calvin really for Chris Godwin because Chris Godwin was clear and clear and above, you know, the better wide receiver, you know, you really want pieces to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, you know, and even when Chris Godwin becomes a free agent, even if he doesn't return to Tampa Bay, I mean, you got to think he's going somewhere to be, you know, an alpha wide receiver. He's that good. So you just, you just absolutely like smoke me in this trade, bro. Like, do you, do you have any remorse doing this to, to you, to your guys? Or like, is this just something you do like on a regular? Sometimes man, you gotta just do what you gotta do. You know what? <laughs> You know, you know what you told me. You said it's not personal; it's just <laughs> business. Hey, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna change my my pre-show icebreaker. Now I gotta beat your ass, Justin. Safe, you know. Now I gotta lay hands on you. Anyway, let's get into some Ace of Space stuff, and we can wrap this podcast around. Uh, over, uh, we can wrap this podcast up pretty quickly. Let's talk about the week seven recap. Any takeaways from Ace of Spades in any of the matchups or any league activity that stood out to you that you want to point out on the podcast? Yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll shit on myself. I didn't I didn't mean to. Uh, 
I wasn't tanking. I didn't mean to to leave <laughs> Shepard in my lineup. I want to apologize, everyone. Apologize to you, Bert. Actually, no, you won because of me, so you're welcome. But yeah, that's I guess my biggest takeaway. I wasn't trying to tank. I wasn't trying to hold everybody in there. Yeah, real quick announcement in Ace of Spades. You know, I said this in the chat, but for anybody who uh, didn't see the message in the chat, um, I posted a warning to everybody who hasn't set a complete lineup or set an illegal lineup so far. There have been a few people, you know, Inspector Burke is on it pretty much every time <laughs> it happens. So, you know, Burke, appreciate you bringing it to my attention. It's something that, that you know, um, I didn't actually see until game day. Otherwise, I would have I messaged Buck and told him to fix his lineup. But keep in mind, you know, keep the rule book handy, the Ace of Spades bylaws. Uh, you don't set a legal lineup, you lose draft position. You know, if it happens multiple times, you get removed from the league. So just keep that in mind when you're setting your lineups weekly. If you don't have time every week to set a legal lineup in Ace of Spades, then you don't really have a place in Ace of Spades. So just keep that in mind. I know things get busy. Everybody's in multiple leagues, but um, – it's 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 a mandate in the league. It's not negotiable. So anyway, um, my takeaways from the week seven slate in Ace of Spades is Danny's back, right? I mean, we talked about him when we ranked uh, season long uh, teams. You know, teams that we thought were playoff teams going into I want to say it was week five or week six, and we said even though Daniel's team had been underperforming significantly, that we expected him to pick it up because his team was just too talented to be performing so poorly. Um, so he's currently on a four game win streak two weeks in a row, beating his opponent and the league median. Where are you at with Danny's team so far? And is his team shaping up and looking like what you expected it to coming into the season? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's starting really starting to perform. And, um, he got like breakout Pittman and he'll still get some guys back later, like George Kittle who will help him. So yeah, I think his team's finally hitting stride because he, he does have a lot of good players. He's haven't been performing, but I think, yeah, I think he'll be good rest of the season for sure. Yeah, I agree, too. I also think, like, something that was unusual in this week's slate that I just picked up on after a few weeks, you know, after, you know, not a few weeks, a couple months almost now, Isaiah's team, man, his team's so good, right? And he just has these absolute studs that hit every single week. But he's, like, I think he's only scored above 200 points twice in, like, barely over 200. His team's not scoring a ton of points. I mean, even this week, I know he is missing Chubb, but most of his lineup was, you know, healthy for the most part, and he scored, you know, a buck seventy-five. I'm curious to see. I don't really know. Like, I think of this league as being pretty, pretty. You know, it's not standard, but it isn't too crazy with the scoring. I wonder if he's going to have to make another move. Like, are his flexes too weak to get up to that consistent like two twenty range? So I know, like, when me and Kurt's teams are healthy, we we hit that pretty much every every time. Have you noticed, like, his team at kind of, like, low ceiling, like, high floor so far this season? Yeah, it's kind of steady been in the 180. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I think, I think he needs some help with uh, with his flexes and his tight end. Uh, his tight end, maybe. I, I think – and Dalton Dalton Schultz may not be, like, a deficiency in his lineup if he had stronger flexes. But if he's not going to have stronger flexes, then he may want to look to upgrade his tight end. I was just thinking about that because I saw him again in the one. And he's – like, obviously, he has a team that can pop off his players haven't all popped at the same time, but you don't really want to be depending on that, like hit weeks for all your players. You want to have more stability throughout your lineup, top to bottom, you know? So that's just something that I, that I noticed, um, on his slate, you know, Justin, I noticed he barely cleared the median. He's at one fifty eight. Median was around one fifty. Wait, you didn't talk about your first win. Of the, you didn't talk about your first win of the year, bro. Oh, no, I did. I finally got me one. Finally got yeah, my bro. dub. Yeah. Hey, on the last podcast, you said, I'm going to get somebody. I'm going to catch somebody. 
<laughs> so yeah, you finally you finally got your win. One more team that I'm nervous. I'm 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 where's it drop? Uh uh I'm nervous, Max. I'll admit it. I'm nervous, okay? I'll admit it. I'm nervous. All right. I'm a little nervous about Rio's team, you know, not by any fault of his own, but um the injuries. He can't afford to have any injuries because his team isn't deep. And you know, Devontae Parker, he isn't like a big name or a big star, but he's a startable wide receiver. He's a top 40 guy when he's healthy, should be. And he lost Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well, which was somebody he really, really needed in his lineup. Um, if he was going to make, you know, any type of push for the playoffs, he's currently sitting at eight and six, just dropped against the median and dropped against Justin. Are we going to see a team like Tyreek's pass him up? You know, headed into the second half of the season, they're both on the fringe. Rio, like I said, he's eight and six. Tyreek is six and eight, but having like hella bad luck. I, I at least I think you can give me your thoughts if you paid attention to his matches. I think he's getting like incredibly unlucky, not just with injuries, but just kind of outlier games from some of his players, like really, really low, um, Low ceiling games, low floor and low, low ceiling games. But his team's really deep. These guys are gonna eventually hit at the same time in his lineup. Um, he just hasn't really set the, the 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 perfect lineup over the past couple of weeks. It feels like. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Tyreek team will eventually get on track. He just has too many good players, like you said. And for Rio, I mean, it was a rough week last week for him for with bye weeks. He had no Zeke, no Dak, no yeah. no Vis- so I think uh, I think his team will still be pretty good once he gets his guys back, as long as uh, Dak is healthy, because that's kind of like his uh, the key cog to his team. So as long as Dak plays and is healthy, I think his team can get back on track. But he does need like some of those flexes are just uh, are a little yeah. rough. Like got got twenty eight from Uzoma and still lost. Yeah, that's that's rough. You get a big boom game like from a streamer, basically. Like you got to win those. Yeah, I think you know I mentioned this with Isaiah's team a few minutes ago. Rio may be a team that makes needs to make another move as well. He's still got capital. I mean, if he wants to continue to push for playoffs this year, I don't think there's anything wrong with him making another move. Wentz has actually been, you know, the, the box score won't indicate it, but in the conditions that they played in against San Francisco, he looked like, am I tripping? He looked pretty good. Nah, bro, I've been saying, Wentz is actually, like, he's played well this season. I, yeah. I know it's, like, it's pretty popular to hate Wentz because, like, people can't get out of, like, he was the worst quarterback in the league last year. Like, that's a fact. Yeah, but he's been good. Like he has eleven touchdowns, one pick. He's played well. Like he's hasn't gotten a lot of help from his team too. Like the line was hurt for most of the year. He was most hit quarterback until they finally got Quentin back. So I think uh, and Wentz has been good for fantasy too. Yeah, Wentz has been. uh, He surprised me this year, and he he really hasn't been bad. And he he at least looks like he has some job security in Indy for the next couple years. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I've been I've been pretty impressed with how Carson Wentz has played. Rio acquired him for. Two second round picks. That's looking like a, a pretty big bargain, but it looks like he's got his QB two sewn up for quite some time. Like you mentioned, his cornerstone player is Dak Prescott. Needs Dak, needs Zeke, needs Debo, and the rest of his team is is good enough, you know, to to contend. You know, he's got a decent tight end in Dallas Goddard. He's got you know Visca Christian Kirk's having a really really good season. Yeah, yeah, I like his team. Yeah, you're right. I, I completely forgot uh, he's got that that Cowboys. Um, QBRB stack there that he was missing last week. Um, why his team scored so few points? But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Who's going to be that final team in? Because we do about points, you know. Yeah, for sure. 
So anyway, yeah, yeah, we can keep this podcast short and sweet, man. We're up to about forty-four minutes right now. Any any final takeaways that that you had from week seven that you want to spit on the pod before we close out? No, I, th- I think that's it. Uh, we talked about Judy. We talked about the guys coming back. I think that's it. You got anything? One more thing, hey, D- hey, bro, what movie is that from? Did you? Is it from Mulan? Where a motherfucker what? be like, one more thing. I'm not sure. Hey, somebody on the pod who listened to that shit, let me know. I think that shit from Mulan. I don't know. I got a kid, man. I'll be watching all the movies. Anyway, what is is am I tripping, bro? Or am I just always thirsty for a deal? Or or is it that trading has been dead in Ace of Spades for a couple weeks? I think uh it has been a little dead, but uh this is kind of when dynasty trading is a little dead. Mm-hmm. In the next couple of weeks is when people uh, really pick up and people start to make moves when they realize like where their team really is at, try to go get those pieces to make that run. So I think in the next couple of weeks we'll see stuff heat up when uh, people are really trying to like make put the finishing touches on their roster to make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I hope so. Everybody, you know, if you if you know you're confident that you want to to make the playoffs, you know. Ruffle some feathers, go out there and get some deals done. Add some more pieces to your roster. You know, Rio, Isaiah, you guys are, you know, obviously looking to make pushes in the postseason. Got some holes in your roster. Fill them before, you know, some transactions get made that you weren't a part of that you could have benefited from. So let's keep the activity high, fellas, and don't forget to set your fucking lineups. Anyway, bro, I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember... It's up there And it's still Stuck there Fuck we gonna get a yes sir Yes sir Yes sir Chris tell us what you think Bitch Peace <laughs>